Welcome to Let It Grow Investing, the financial investing and small business podcast that is not run by a professional investor. I am Jeff, and thank you for stopping by. We're going to cover all the news you need to know to make sense of the market, helping you get invested, stay the course, and on your way to financial freedom. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone, and thank you very much for joining me here. And uh, yeah, we've got another episode of tons of information, and we're just trying to digest it all. You know, it is uh, it's definitely a busy one out there this week. Again, we had more bank news. We had all kinds of vulnerabilities out there. We had lots of Fed interaction, FDIC news, and it is just overwhelming. Uh, that being said, I'm going to try to be as calm and cool and collected as we can be. Because ultimately, when you get scared or you make crazy decisions because of things that are just headlines right now, uh, I think that's when we get hurt the most. So I'm going to try to avoid making any kind of crazy decisions. And uh, hopefully I can pass on some of that energy on to you guys. Uh, So that being said, we had a very wild week. Uh, We had some major updates and overall we ended down lower. And let's try to cover what happened, why we got here, and really what's going on. Um, so the the banking contagion has continued to spread, right? We had more problems in Europe. Uh, Credit Suisse basically was running through the same problem as uh, Silicon Valley Bank uh, and Silvergate and, and all the all the bank problems right now, right? They are basically not managing the risks enough, and they are pretty much running short on cash. That is pretty much the long and short of it. Now, why is that? Again, we uh, we did a lot of lending, long-term lending, and uh, a lot of the deposits actually slowed. People were trying to hold on to more cash. People were uh, spending on different items, but ultimately they were making next to nothing on lending out these, uh, this, these loans for longer durations, and they didn't have enough deposits coming in the door for you know, people that had their money in the bank when they wanted to withdraw it, they're just they they were taking out more than they were putting in, so that uh, amount of money that they had on hand was less and less. So we ultimately had the FDIC come out and say to Silicon Valley Bank, like, "Hey, look, if you had more than two hundred fifty thousand, uh, we're going to you know we're going to repay it. Don't worry about it. the The FDIC is here to save the day." Now they're not calling it a uh, a bailout. They're they're trying to say that you know they're making the depositors whole again, which is great. But you run into a lot of a slippery slope situation saying that there's really not enough money in reserves to do this everywhere. Uh, that was kind of the talk of the week. Also, like you know, is my money safe? Uh, does the bank that I do my banking at have enough if uh, if everyone wants to go and get the money out? So you saw this week. A lot of these smaller regional banks just get destroyed, right? If you're not in the top five, or I mean, a lot of people are calling it the top four or a top 10 bank, that money uh, has been coming out of these small banks left and right. And, you know, I, this, was, this is probably old news now, but uh, even like Monday, Tuesday, Bank of America said, yeah, you know, this is great for us. We had $15 billion come in in the past seven days. Now I'm sure that uh, that number has totally eclipsed that $15 billion. But these large banks are the uh, the benefactor of what's going on here. Um, 
no one really wants to have the vulnerability of having their money, you know, just evaporate, say they're over that FDIC limit of 250,000. Uh, they don't want to have their money at risk should some of these smaller banks not have uh, enough cash or not have enough uh, you know, asset ma management to really have things under control. So the larger banks are more stress tested. They have to have more cash. They have to be a lot safer because they are too big to fail is generally the, the term that you're going to hear. And really, what does that mean? Well, it, it really means that the uh, the government would have to bail them out or there is just going to be a complete mess. And uh, the the last thing we're going to be worried about is, you know, a, a couple dollars in the stock market because things are going to be absolute chaos if these banks fail. So they are counting on them to really have enough, but they are also held under a much uh, of a fine tooth comb, if you will. And they are made to have enough money to really, you know, pass all the stress tests to really not have this bank run happen to them, right? So people still need somewhere safe to bank. Uh, you know, a lot of people say, hey, do you know, do I bury my uh, cash in my backyard? Do I, you know, what do I do? Do we get a bigger mattress? What, what's the play here? But I think uh, a lot of those people are going to the bigger banks. Uh, I guess grateful for me, I'm already in one of those. So I really didn't have to make any changes. Um, but then again, I mean, you really just want to weigh your risk. You know, if you have more than that $250,000 in any one bank, you want to make sure that you are protected because I don't think that the FDIC is going to come to save the, save the day if, you know, 20 other banks go out. They There simply is just not enough cash out there in order to pay everything over that $250,000. So you really got to weigh your risk and uh, be smart about it. If you got that kind of money sitting, well, first off, I, I guess you'd... you'd have to have some kind of knowledge about this. But at the same time, you want to make sure that uh, it is protected. So definitely take a look at that. Understand the rules, the laws, and uh, what is really insured and how to how to you know really protect yourself. So that is what I'm looking at there. But uh, the Credit Suisse story. So this was a big thing in Europe, right? They are a massive bank. Uh, I think they were 60% uh, larger than WAMU when it went out in 2008, I believe it was. And this was a massive story. So there's a lot of news outlets covering this because of how big Credit Suisse is. And ultimately, uh, UBS is going to be buying Credit Suisse for more than $2 billion. And uh, the Swiss National Bank offers a $100 billion credit line to UBS as part of this deal. So ultimately, there are a lot of ins and outs going on. There's a lot of different news stories covering all these different banks. And as I said, you know, the, the smaller regional ones here were to blame. Uh, I don't really know all the ins and outs of the Europe banking system. I don't know them in, in America either. Uh, I'll be completely honest there. But uh, I know when we had these super low interest rates here, they were off, uh, operating at negative interest rates. So I don't even understand how they could make money like that. Um, but basically, I think they just got way too leveraged in the fact that they were trying to lend out and make uh, next to nothing on this money. And ultimately, that system just got cramped. So a lot of these different uh, force factors are really pressuring the market. We're really looking at uh, what's next to drop. Uh, I guess one of the things that really scares me, and this has been through COVID, we, we saw the major rise in in home prices, we saw it in cars, uh, everyone paying more than sticker price. 
for you know automobiles was really where I'm at here. It, it also happened in the housing market, but I don't think people are just going to get out of their houses if they could afford the payment uh, that they signed up for at that time. You know the the rates have certainly skyrocketed since then, but the housing has come down. So you're you're probably in a similar type uh, you know payment type space if you're buying now versus buying at an elevated housing price you know a year ago. But in the way of house, of, in the way of automobile, sorry, when people are buying at uh, you know fifteen, twenty, thirty thousand dollars, or you know fifteen percent over sticker price, and now these vehicles have uh, the values have dropped. I do know that some of the the pricing in cars is coming back up, but uh, a lot of these prices have dropped significantly, and people are really underwater in these auto payments. So I'm thinking if things really do get bad, do people just start walking away from these payments and saying, come take the car? I'm not worried about it. Things are uh, awful. I lost my job. Uh, I don't have the the means to pay for this house, the the food that's through the roof and the car payment. That's, you know, uh, I think a lot of them, the, the average was getting closer to that thousand dollar uh, $1, a month mark for, you know, longer and longer terms. Uh, you know, it was 60 months and now it moved up to 72. I, I really don't know how long we can continue these uh, these longer payments at elevated premiums uh, to really keep going. So I'm really worried about the the defaults on auto loans as well. That could certainly be uh, something going forward that we're going to have to deal with as well. And it, it's just definitely a scary situation out there. So um, we've really got to be mindful as to where we're going, where we want to buy. Uh, really, if there's stocks that we do want to get into, uh, you really want to have a buying list because there are certainly situations where um, I think that there are definitely buy opportunities through all this madness. Uh, you know, the the old line when there's uh, blood in the streets, that's when you invest. And um, I, I did that. Okay. Um, I, I, this is the, the side of me that tries to stay calm through this, I guess. So I believe it was uh, Tuesday, maybe Wednesday when when Bank of America was really tanking down. And I mean, looking at the one month, we were up near 35 bucks, and now we are sitting at 27.74 after hours on Friday. Uh, currently, it's Sunday, but um, I'm just looking at the the news from Friday here. And uh, I went ahead, and I guess kind of pulled a Warren Buffett, and I'm I'm adding to Bank of America in the fear of this market. And a lot of people are going to say, why? Why would you even think about buying financials right now? It's going to go lower. It's going to get worse. Well, it might. It might. And simply put, it might. Um, but at that same time, uh, I see some definite value here. Uh, I definitely think that more people are going to be rolling into these larger banks. And this one, you know, coming down, uh, you know, what was it, twenty percent in the matter of a of a month here. Uh, I definitely think that this was an entry point. I'm getting a three percent yield. And there's a lot of different reasons why I thought these larger banks are going to stand the test of time. You know, the next six months are going to be choppy. And uh, ultimately, uh, I think in three years, I'm going to be glad that I bought here under $28. And I, I think long term, this one will be fine. So now when we get over to the Fed, right? Uh, and you know, I haven't even looked at this yet. The the CME Fed Watch tool, it is basically just on my computer at all all times right now. Um, let's see what we got here. Last time it was like uh, 25% saying we weren't going to get a raise, 75% saying we're getting 25. Uh, now we are at 38% saying no uh, Fed rate hike and 62% saying we're going to 25 basis points. So 
we are looking at that. Um, what what do I think? Man, I, I don't really know what to think. I, I've said 25 basis points for a while now. I can certainly make an argument for 38. Uh, the ECB went to 50 basis points. They stuck with their guns. I, I've got a feeling we're going to go to 25 basis points. I could see uh, you know, going to that uh, or just staying at the current rate and go zero points. But um, really, the, the thing that got me this week was... Um, you know, we were talking about staying uh, at an elevated uh, Fed funds rate for longer. And now we're talking about even expecting 100 points of rate cuts by the end of the year. So what do, what do we think here, man? This is confusing. Now, originally, I was saying we had a longer duration to buy things like uh, energy or, or housing that I thought was going to be a harder uh, for these companies to make money in the long term, or not even in the long term, but we, we had more of a window where housing wasn't going to really skyrocket in the next uh, you know, six to nine months. I thought we were going to be into 2024 before housing really took back off. But now, if people can stay in their jobs, if we don't have a super crazy recession that we're going to get pushed into with all these banks collapsing, I kind of think that these rates are going to come down at the same time that the housing prices are still down. So there's going to be more demand for housing for the people that can afford it. Uh, so I'm kind of thinking that, uh, you know, there, there is going to be a shorter window on some of these stocks that I thought maybe we could buy up until like the end of the year. Uh, I'm kind of thinking that window is going to shrink on some of these home building or even renovation stocks. We might get more people refinancing if they are buying at that 7% interest rate. And now they can drop it to, you know, say five or, you know, maybe the high fours by the middle of next year. I, I'm not sure about that. I'm, I'm kind of just spitballing here. But if that's the case and we can actually start seeing some of this kind of rotate and uh, people lower their payments, they can get into a new house. And a lot of that demand for those items are still there. If we don't go into a recession, I still think that we have a shorter window in order to buy these stocks. So that's why I wanted to say, you know, you really want to have a shopping list beforehand. Um, I knew that I would buy some bank stocks. Uh, you know, I, I didn't have any Bank of America. I hold JP Morgan and Citibank. Those are the two that I normally have. Uh, Citibank has been a rough ride. I, I'm getting a decent amount of yield there. Uh, JP Morgan has done pretty well for me. I bought it during the pandemic and it's it's done okay. But um I, I got out of Bank of America a long time ago, but I did go ahead and add this one back to my IRA. Uh, off of some of those premiums that I got for selling um, uh, Marathon MPC again, uh, I did a more of a long dated call on that one. And uh, I took that money, put it in my IRA and went ahead and went shopping, uh, did some Bank of America buying, right? Not a lot. It was eight, 10 shares, something like that. Not a, uh, not a crazy buy, uh, nothing, nothing you know, wild. But um, as I'm getting this money and as I'm seeing some different value, uh, I do want to go ahead and add to these different positions. And uh, currently it's down 0.47%. Um, you know, but as I said, if this does go down, if it gets down to the low 20s, I will certainly be buying more. Um, it's definitely a, a situation where it's a calculated risk. I do think that uh, it's going to be choppy, as I said, but ultimately I think Bank of America is going to survive 
And as I said, I think they are just too big to fail. So the fact that it went down that 20 some percent in the week or in the month, rather, this, uh, you know, PE at nine, we've got uh, good earnings. We had about, you know, like I said, $15 billion worth of cash come in from smaller banks in that past week. And uh, I think that they are going to be under that fine tooth comb. So I don't really see the major risk. Yes, they have a major amount of loans out, but they're also one of the top, you know, four biggest banks in the country. So of course they have the most amount of loans out. That that just makes sense to me. But um, you know, is there risk? Yeah, uh, I mean it's definitely a case where there's some risk out there, but uh, not one that I am afraid of. So stay calm. And try to plan your moves. Don't go, you know, try bottom fishing from some small regional bank that you think is going to do X and it goes the other way. Um, even even a company like SoFi, like I said, you know, last time there is some insider buying. And uh, I think there's some reason for that. Their risk profile is different, right? They Their CEO bought about a million dollars worth of stock. And there's a reason he did that. He doesn't think that they're going to get caught up into this. They have a lot of that student loan uh, repayment money that they are trying to work on to get uh, some legal action to where people have to start paying these back. The risk profile is different than a lot of these different, uh, um, you know, banks out there that are doing some even riskier lending. So I guess that's uh, that's what I'm looking at there. In uh, in the way of insider buying, I did want to mention MPW. I know we talk about MPW a lot, uh, but they are doing uh, some different things here, and they did have an insider by one of the directors of the company. Let me pull up his name. Uh, and this one has dropped significantly also. Now we are under $8 on MPW, 782, which is getting us a quarterly dividend yield of 14.48%. Um, and I, I talked about this one. I normally don't like dividends that are this high. It, it normally means that something is wrong. Uh, we talked about the credit risk. We've talked about um, some of the you know different tenants not paying their bill in full. We've talked about a lot of the different problems, but um, overall, they do have enough money coming in. They could certainly change that up. I know it's going to be a little bit more expensive for them to borrow money, and we do have that risk of people not paying. So that is certainly scary. But um, Steve Dawson, that's his name, director at MPW, bought uh, 10,000 shares for $120,000. So now, if uh, he did that, he's now down to about uh, seventy-eight thousand dollars. So he took a hit on this one, also. But uh, it, I do think it's noteworthy to say that he is interested in buying it. There's got to be a reason, and uh, there have not been any real recent. We got to go back to last year to see uh, some sales on some stocks. But um, a lot of different options have been awarded to um, directors in February and January. And yeah, that's that's all I'm seeing on the insider purchases at MPW. So uh, definitely more of that bullish news that I am seeing there. Uh, what else we got? We've got, um, let me see. I know um, oil. Yeah, well, I wanted to talk oil too. That, that crude price. Uh, let me see if I can't find a price on crude. But uh, while I'm saying that, um, I was saying that, I was saying for a while that uh, oil has been a solid place to be if oil could be above about $70 a barrel. That's where a lot of these uh, companies are really making their money. So what's the what's the price on oil? It's at a 15-month low. Let's see. I'm on CNBC, so we'll check out here. 
Um, 66.92 was the Brent crude price as of Friday. So that is a, oh no, West Texas Intermediate crude was a 66.92. Brent uh, crude futures was down to 73.11 a barrel. So we're at that point where things are definitely slowing down. Uh, there's not as much demand, and ultimately, uh, you know, this this crude price is making it to the point where a lot of these companies have a bit of a harder time making a you know really great amount of money selling oil when these uh, these crude barrel prices go lower. So that uh, is definitely something to watch. And uh, and that being said, I don't I don't think that my marathon petroleum calls are going to execute. And as I said last in this past couple of times, I was at a uh, a strike price of 131 and I was saying it was, you know, flirting above and below 131. It dropped this week down to 123. So my current call is at 139. So I really don't think that this one's going to happen. I think that uh, oil is going to be in a downtrend for a little bit of a time period here until we can really uh, get some clarity on what's happening with the banks, what's happening with the economy. And uh, we really have some kind of clarity as to what is just absolutely happening out here and how hard of a landing we're going to have with everything that's going on. So uh, that's what I got there on oil. I'm definitely watching that. Um, I am watching another thing here. We're watching these uh, the FANG stocks or the uh, MANA stocks, if you want to call them that, uh, Facebook, Alphabet, Amazon. Um, what's the... Now, they all changed. So Facebook is now Meta and Alphabet is or Google is now Alphabet. So all those stocks, all those big, large cap tech stocks, let's just say that um, all of those have really held up OK. And now there's a, a couple things here that I want to point out as to maybe why that is right. We've I think we're at a point where these stocks are not just large cap tech stocks. They have become the consumer staple stocks in the tech space. Um, I think a lot of times, you know, when you look at food stocks, people say that's consumer staple. I'm pretty certain that uh, people would notice that they don't have their iPhone far more than they didn't have an Apple to for lunch or something, right? I, I think, truth be told, I, I really feel like these are the consumer staple products that people have to have. People are addicted to their iPhones. They're addicted to Facebook. They can't go, you know and a couple of hours without searching for something on Google, we just have to have these stocks or these companies rather. So I think uh, from the, sta the, the standpoint that they have all this cash, they are so heavy in demand. They, they are just in a spot where they can take advantage of any of these small companies, uh, you know, going down, they could buy up any of these companies at the drop of a hat if needed. And uh, I think that these are just really that company that people are, are really leaning on uh, for some stability right now. I mean, Apple's got more cash than uh, a lot of small countries put together. So I'm really looking at those to see if they can hold up. When I'm looking at a company like Coke, uh, ticker KO, uh, some of these different valuations are getting stretched a little too thin. They were already going up pre uh, or during the pandemic as people had to have these different products. They had a yield. They were a little bit more protected. But uh, the PE on... Uh, on Coke is sitting at 27.49. When I look at Google, let's take a look here. And this is not pre-rehearsed or anything. So I'm just kind of, uh, yeah, the PE on Google is 22. 
So you're getting Google, uh, a huge tech stock for cheaper than you're getting Coke. Yes, you don't get a dividend, but uh, I'm going to shoot to say that Google's got more upside than Coke. And I really think that a lot of people are comfortable buying these names that have uh, you know, so much strength behind them. Google's got about 27% of upside still. When I look at back over at Coke, what do we got? We got 14. So we got more upside. We've got more cash. And uh, in my opinion, they are now the tech consumer staples. And uh, that's kind of kind of what I'm calling them right now. So I definitely think that is a strong trend. Uh, the fact that they have gone down so much as people were getting out of tech, uh, I really think that more money coming back in is going to start funding into these uh, these large cap tech growth names, if you will. And uh, I really think that that's where a lot of people want to be. So um, what do we got? I'm just going to do a quick S&P check. We are at, let me see if we just did an update. 39.16 as of the close of business on Friday. So we'd have trended down. Uh, you know, we were sitting in that uh, that low 4,000 level about a month ago. And uh, yes, we did touch down to about uh, 38.56 on uh, March 13th. And I mean, like I said, this could definitely be a choppy next few months, but uh, I think that's a great reason to have a shopping list as to what to buy out there and really where we want to put our money to work. So I don't want to sound like I'm flip-flopping. Uh, I know I've said before that consumer staples are a strong spot to be, but uh, I think a little bit too many people have really jumped on that bandwagon of being in the consumer staples, your typical uh, Coke, uh, Pepsi, and uh, a lot of these massive names that uh, a, a lot of people were looking at for yield, for some safety. And now they are just getting oversaturated and they're just, the, the prices are too high. Yeah, Pepsi is also sitting at a 27. Let's look at uh, Mondelez, ticker is MDLZ. Let's see where that PE is. See how stretched these consumer staples are. They're sitting at 34. Um, you know, what else are we looking at? We could look at uh, KDP, that's Keurig Dr. Pepper. And where's that one? They are sitting at a 34.8. So they are, they're pretty, pretty heavy on the, the PE basis. Let's look back over at Meta, see where that one is. 23.90. So Meta and Google are lower than Coke, Pepsi, Keurig, Dr. Pepper. Um, so we, we've really got a, a, a flip-flop here as to what is seen as value. And it's not your typical consumer staple stocks, in my opinion. They're just getting a little too too ahead of themselves. I know that uh, Amazon's going to be higher. They normally trade higher on a PE basis. I just want to take a look. I want to say it's, uh, I don't have that right off the top of my head here. But um, yeah, so that that's what I got. And then I'll take a look at Microsoft because we're already here. And that one with ChatGPT has done a little bit of running. So that one is sitting at a 30.7. So still cheaper than a couple, uh, more expensive than Coke and Pepsi. But I think this one, uh, with the chat GPT, with a lot of the different things that are going on over there, Activision, all, all the different news that's happened out of uh, out of Microsoft. Yeah, we, we went on a run from March 10th. We were sitting at 248. Now we're at 279 on Microsoft. That is a massive move for a company that is sitting at $2.1 trillion in the course of, uh, what do we got, about a week? Uh, that's crazy. But um, anyhow, that's what I got there. I'm going to come back. We're going to talk about... Um, a couple different things. I want to get into some other news, some other earnings. We're also going to talk uh, investing challenge and some stocks that I really think can do well for us going forward. So please stick around and uh, I will be right. 
All right, guys, we are back here on the podcast. So uh, as I was saying before, you know, there are definitely some opportunities out there. We need to keep those pens sharp and uh, ready and stick to our plans. That is how we're going to stay calm. That's how we navigate through this market. That's uh, my opinion. You do you, but that's, uh, you know, my two cents on it. So uh, a lot of people are talking about, uh, well, before I even get into that, if you do need help getting started, I've got some links in the description on uh, crypto.com. Binance, Webull, that's where we do our uh, investing for the uh, Let It Grow Investing Challenge for 2023 and E-Trade. So I've got those. If you need help getting going, I, I do think that we got some good buying opportunities coming up in the next few months. So might be a good time to go ahead and get started if you have not. And if you want free shares, use my link, go to Webull, and you'll get some, uh, some free shares for opening an account and depositing as little as $1. So uh, back to what I was saying here. We have seen the Fed uh, really increased the size of their balance sheet in the past uh, couple weeks here. Uh, over the, uh, as of March 15th, let's look at this one. 297 billion has been added to their balance sheet in the way of quantitative easing, we're gonna call it. Uh, really, I, I think a lot of this is really trying to add stability to the, to the, economic situation, the economic backdrop right now. I really don't think, you know, in the in the typical sense of quantitative easing, it's a monetary policy uh, where a central bank is going to purchase predetermined amounts of government bonds or other financial assets in order to stimulate economic activity. Uh, that's right off of Google, right? So in that sense, you know, normally it makes it easier for people to, uh, and for banks to lend and people to borrow. Right now, I think we're trying to uh, add in order to add some stability uh, to the banking system, right? There is just way too much instability out there. And ultimately, uh, I think people are seeing this as, um, you know, kind of that pivot, but really uh, a situation where things are changing at, at an incredible rate. And ultimately, um, I don't want people to get really drawn into this and think that you know it's happening so fast. Uh, I think this is a move to really add some stability to the banking sector as people really don't know what's going on out there. So in the next breath, I I've said a lot of money is coming out of these smaller banks. And the benefactor has really been a lot of the larger banks. Uh, another area that is really benefiting from this is, uh, is crypto. And hate it or love it, uh, it's definitely having uh, an influx of money coming into uh, some of the major coins over the past, uh, really over the past week, but over the past couple months, it has certainly been on a tear. So when I am looking at Bitcoin right now, we're sitting at 27.7. If I look back three months, we were, you know, we were in the uh, 16,000 range on Christmas. On uh, December 25th, where are we? We were at sixteen eight, so now we've gone up about uh, ten thousand dollars on Bitcoin in three months. We are up sixty nine percent in three months on Bitcoin. But when we look at it from March tenth, we were at twenty thousand. And uh, as I said that weekend, which I think was last yeah last weekend, it seems like forever ago, I was trying to buy in that nineteen thousand dollar range, right? So we have been on an just crazy tear in the last week. We are up 33% on Bitcoin. So I think a lot of the reason that this is up 
is if people close a lot of the money out of uh, you know these other banks and they go and buy their crypto, they put instead of putting it in under the mattress or in another bank or bury it in the backyard, we're seeing a lot of this money go into alternative assets. If they're going to try to devalue the dollar, um, you know, we're we're going to get into a universal coin where we can you know tuck it away. I can lock that up in a safe. You know, I can take my Bitcoin off of a, a hot wallet, put it into cold storage on a USB drive, lock my keys away in another spot and have my crypto tucked away somewhere where I can control my own money. Uh, so I think that's got a lot to do with it in the way of why you know, Bitcoin is running. I'm seeing a lot of people saying that, that you know, we're, we're right at the start of a boom cycle and, and Bitcoin is going to be on an absolute tear. Uh, you know, 33% in a week, that's uh, that's a tear in my mind. That is a, an absolute astonishing amount of movement for, you know, the largest cryptocurrency that's out there. So now on uh, on Ethereum, uh, similar. Let's look at the three month. We are up 55%. Over the last week, we are up 17%. So Bitcoin has been outperforming. I think it is that largest coin. People feel safe there. Like I've uh, kind of been saying about some of these other asset classes that were supposed to be safe. We really thought that there was a lot of uh, room for energy stocks. We thought banking stocks were real safe. Uh, you know, now in hindsight, were they the safest play? Um, you know, they should have been making more money if they were managing their assets correctly. But at the same time, there was that risk from having such low interest rates from uh, you know, 18 months, 24 months ago, that uh, if they weren't managing their assets correctly and they were too heavily invested into these long-term uh, purchases or long-term uh, bonds, things like that, we really needed to see them manage that uh, their assets correctly. And ultimately, uh, a lot of them didn't. A lot of those deposits slowed down, probably because uh, people were still putting money into crypto then as well. So not as much was being deposited as was uh, being withdrawn. And they didn't have enough on that interest side of things to really protect themselves in the long term. So uh, I, I guess in this situation, uh, Bitcoin is is kind of or crypto is even the virus that uh, in some of these bank situations, Silicon Valley Bank, uh, Silvergate, the, the banks that are doing a lot of that crypto lending. Uh, Bitcoin happens to be the, the virus that is potentially eating the host in this situation. The, the banking you know sector was supporting the crypto to get more money. Ultimately, more money went into crypto than was going into the banks. And uh, you know they kind of got flattened. So um, you know there, there's probably a whole lot more to unwrap in that situation than simply you know the, the Bitcoin wiping out the banks. But ultimately, I, I think that does have some play and some validity here. And so I did want to bring that up as to what the Fed's doing. Uh, the fact that, uh, you know, we might see a zero uh, basis point move at the next meeting, which is going to be this week. We've also got, uh, you know, a chance for shorter, um, shorter for less time than more elevated rates for longer, as we have previously heard. So there's a, a lot to unwrap and uh, a lot of different plays to make. So I do have, uh, well, let's go ahead and look at where we are for this week uh, for week what, what are we on? We are we on week 12? Yeah, week 12. Let's go ahead and look at the investing challenge for week 12. And uh, when I'm looking at that, we had five different names. That is uh, pretty typical around here. Um, and now when I'm looking at this one, we have uh, 
First one is Iron Mountain, ticker is IRM. Uh, number two was AMD, Advanced Micro Devices. Number three, United Health. Number four, Qualcomm, QCOM. And number five was Visa, ticker was V. Uh, so we are going to be buying Iron Mountain. And uh, I know that we do have some dividend investors on the group. So that uh, that does make sense. It's definitely the uh, the highest dividend that is on this uh, this list here. Uh, you know, AMD, no dividend. United Health is only 1.4. Qualcomm was 2.5. And Visa was only a 0.8% dividend yield. So Iron Mountain's got some upside. They've got some protection. They do uh, operate in that REIT space. So they are going to be paying more in the way of dividends. So I do like that play. Um, at the same time, I like all these plays. I thought all of them were actually really purchasable right now in my decision. So that's uh, that's what we're going to be buying on Monday. I will be adding that to the Let It Grow Investing portfolio, which is over there on Webull. And uh, let's see how the Webull portfolio is doing for the week. And when I'm looking at that, I'm expecting it to be down a little bit more. And uh, yeah, we are down uh, 8.5% over the past, uh, what, 15 months. But uh, it has been a tough 15 months. This has not been a walk in the park. You know, if we would have started this in, uh, you know, beginning of 2020, we'd, we would have seen the first 15 months just go crazy. But uh, I, I do think that, you know, by the end of the year, we're going to start seeing this start turning around. I do think that we're going to have some some rough earnings through uh, Q2, Q3. But I do think that uh, as we get some more stability, rates kind of level off, come down. I think we will be good to go. So. Oh, with that being said, where do we want to look right now? And uh, as I said, I don't want to, you know, be a flip flopper here, but uh, I do think that there are some good values out there when we are looking at some of these different uh, different areas of the market. And uh, some, you know, have, have kind of presented themselves as being more of a buy now uh, versus even what they I thought they might have been a week ago. So. We're going to kind of get through this list. We're going to see if you guys agree with some of these names. And ultimately, we are going to be voting on them on the Let It Grow Investing Facebook page. And uh, the link for that is in the description. Please make sure to follow along over there as I can get some information out quicker on that page than simply just on the podcast episodes. But um, yeah, so number one, and uh, this is probably not a big surprise, my number one for this week for week 13 is going to be Bank of America, BAC. We are at a yearly low, right? From last March on the 22nd, we were at 44.60. Now we are at 27.62. PE, 8.7. EPS, $3.19 a share. And uh, that is, you do that math, that's how you're going to get to 27.82. You got your earnings per share uh, at the PE. You know, you multiply, you get to your, your share price. So that's what we got there. Beta 0.99, dividend 3.03%. And uh, I do think that this one is probably going to stay in this range for the next week. I, I mean, I know we've got some some crazy um, news coming out uh, with Credit Suisse. We've got, uh, you know, FRC. There's a, there's a lot of different movements here. I don't think we're going to get a massive run in the next week. I know I already purchased it for myself, but uh, I definitely think that this one's worth buying. We've got about 40% of upside, according to Trefis. We've got uh, 
Well, we can do a quick breakdown of the business. I think that makes sense. About 40% in consumer, 27% in corporate and commercial, 16% in wealth management, uh, 11% in sales and trading, five and a quarter percent in advisory, and uh, barely nothing in principal investment. So uh, when we are looking at this one, you know, why here? Well, as I said earlier, I think it is going to be one of the safe ones. It's going to be a, a little bit too big to fail. The, the Fed is going to keep a tight eye. Uh, you know, all the regulation is going to keep a tighter eye on Bank of America simply because they are one of the top four. You got JP Morgan, Goldman City, and Bank of America. Uh, I think those are going to be your safest plays in the banking space right now. Uh, for me, uh, I, I do most of my banking over at Bank of America, but um, we, we do have a mixture of different accounts for, for different things here. But uh, I think personally, with the amount of money that they've had coming in, some of their different uh, places where they're doing their their business, I think they're going to be in a safer uh, realm right now. You don't really have as much ties uh, in the investment over, you know, in Europe and things like that that are tied to some of the things in Ukraine and Russia. So that is a little bit more limited. But there's there's definitely some some other solid bank buys out there in my mind right now. Uh, right now, uh, yeah, over on the Reuters report, we've got about 39.5% of upside, according to uh, 23 different analysts. We've got uh, uh, we got annual revenues increasing for 23, about 6%. For 24, about 8%. We've got the dividend growth. I love to see dividend growth, 10.3% over the past year. Dividend payout at 27.3%. That means they have more money in order to uh, increase this dividend payout should they want to. It might stay flat this year with everything that's going on, but uh, it is nice to see that they are interested in raising these dividends. We are trading at a 24% discount on price to sales, a 29% discount on uh, trailing PE, 28% discount on forward PE. So definitely trading at a, uh, a lower valuation right now. I do like to get these stocks when they are on sale. That is certainly one of my, uh, my favorite things to look for when I am buying stocks. You got rising revenues and you're trading at a discount. Uh, yes, this one is in turmoil with uh, the banking sector, but I think that we should be fine in stock number one for the week 13, which is Bank of America BAC. I think we should be good to go. Um, as and caveat to that, it, it, things are going to be rough for a while. I'm, I'm not uh, trying to, you know, dissuade from that. It, it is going to be rough for a little while. So number two, and this goes back to my talk on the consumer staples that is the tech giants. And this one is Google. It's a ticker G-O-O-G-L, the parent company's Alphabet. So you can call it Alphabet if you want. But um yeah, as I was saying before, I, I do think that these names are are pretty well insulated. They got beat down through 22. Uh, when I look at the one year, we came down from 141, and uh, you know we got down to a low of 86. Now we're trading at 101. So we have actually uh, risen uh, over the past month when a lot of stocks have gone down. We were at 89 dollars back on uh, February 24th. We're trading at 101 now. So the, uh, I think the, the trailing of the PE was what, what I say? 22. I think that's what we said earlier. Let me take a, a look at this Reuters report. Yeah. We're trailing was a 22 
forward is a 19.6. We've got uh, price targets of about 23% higher, uh, according to 42 different analysts. We've got uh, annual revenue, uh, 5% up for 23, 17.8% up for 24. Well, uh, now why? Why? I think a lot of this comes down to advertising, right? 23, a lot of people aren't really thinking that you're going to see much more in the way of advertising. But um, I mean, having a business, I think there's a couple of places that you do have to almost advertise, especially for a lot of web-based uh, sales, things like that. Maybe not so much for service companies, but Facebook, Google are going to be absolutely massive for uh, for advertising dollars for any business. Uh, I know there's a lot of different ways to advertise. I'm, I'm not trying to get into that argument, but uh, Facebook, Google are almost mainstays in that realm. So yes, your uh, your advertising dollars might have been cut, you know, end of 22 throughout 23, but uh, I think that 17.8% number of uh, rising uh, annual revenue in 24 is warranted. Uh, so I do think that again, we've got this uh, closing window of how long can we get these stocks on a discount. And uh, I think that uh, Bank of America, I think that window is going to close pretty quick. I think Google is going to close pretty quick. So when uh, we're looking at this one, no dividend, revenue growth of last year for about 10%, net margins about 21%. Uh, we've got a 29% discount on price to sales, 29% discount trailing PE, 23% discount on forward PE. So again, you're getting a great company uh, where we've got uh, some pr downward pressure from slowing ad budgets for 23, but uh, we're also being able to purchase the stock at a discount when I think you know the, the writing's on the wall that the numbers are going to be going up for 2024, pending any crazy uh, recession, pending any crazy uh, economic slowdown. But I still think we are at a safe spot to buy this one versus the historic numbers for this and uh, and really get a good value. Uh, I, I like buying stocks on a value and I definitely like buying high quality growth stocks when we can get them on sale. So I do think that Google should be a, uh, a solid contender for week 13. Now, in the next breath, we've got uh, number three for the week. And that name is going to be kind of one that I said I wasn't going to buy right now, but that name is going to be Home Depot. I have not really looked so close at Home Depot for uh, this week, but uh, with all that Fed talk about we're going to have less uh, rate hikes, we're planning, we're already uh, pricing in price uh, rate cuts by the end of the year, about 100 basis points. I'm thinking we're going to start seeing uh, more line of credit getting pulled out against houses, more refis, more builds, more uh, you know new sales, more rehabs. I, th I think there's going to be a lot of value out there in real estate. So I'm thinking that Home Depot could be a solid stock to pick while uh, the rates are high, but we're planning on them to be dropping by the end of the year. I think that should spur some uh, some renovations, some new homes, some some different uh, things out there in the, the home world. So that is my thought here. So as I said, I really didn't research this one too much. But my first thought was, well, if rates are dropping, houses got to start taking off again. So uh, first glance here, uh, PEs of at sitting at a 17.3. We've got a dividend yield of about 2.9%. 
Uh, Trefus is saying we've got about a 16% uh, price target upside. And uh, let's get over to the analyst research from uh, from Reuters. That's kind of my standard here. What uh, we do have a buy rating on it. We've got a five-year return of about 60%, down over the past year about 13%. We are currently looking about 14% of upside, according to 32 analysts. Um, earnings per share, looking a little bit sideways through through 23, which makes sense to me. I kind of just alluded to that. Revenues for 23, actually negative, made negative uh, 0.3%. Oh, no, that's sorry. That's for 24. I'm looking at the wrong number. For 25, we are looking at a forecasted growth of about 2.7%. Dividend growth, 15.2% over uh, the past year uh, from January. Dividend payout of about 46%. Dividend coverage of about 2.7%. So that's uh, that's about right to me. Maybe we get a slower dividend growth this year, but div- uh, the, the dividend at Home Depot has been rolling up rather well over the past couple of years. And they have definitely done a lot of double-digit uh, increases on that dividend as well. Price to sales, 16% discount over the five-year average. Uh, trailing P.E., 23% discount over that same five-year average. Forward PE, 13% discount over the five-year average. So we are buying this one on sale. Um, now, I think a lot of these numbers here that are forecasted for the way of annual revenue might be light from the standpoint that uh, everything was priced in at higher interest rates for longer. And if we start seeing a pivot and going lower uh, for a shorter period of time, I do think that that is going to have some effect on these numbers. So we're already buying it at a discount. We're getting a company that is known to grow the dividend. It's at a PE of a 17. Um, so there's a lot of different reasons why I think that this one could be a strong buy and kind of a sleeper stock for a turnaround at the end of the year. Um, again, I've already got a position here. This is just kind of one of those things where I thought that this one could uh, could really flip-flop with the way that the market is looking. So that's uh, that's number three for the week. And uh, I'll take a quick sip of water here. So number four, uh, we're going to be looking at another one that could uh, could be on sale here. And that name is going to be Chevron. Ticker is CVX. So uh, when we're looking at Chevron, uh, this one has actually come down over the past uh, over the past three months. We did peak out around 187 and that was on January 26th. Now we're sitting at 152. As I said, that crude prices have come down. It makes it a little bit harder for them to um, make a killing on the uh, the oil prices through uh, through just simply just selling oil. So uh, this one has a uh, more towards the bottom half of the uh, the trading range over the past year. But uh, I do think that it makes sense now that we are creeping up on a dividend yield of about 3.9%. Uh, EPS about, uh, or uh, sorry, PE is about 8.3, EPS about 18. So they're making a, a ton of cash. PE is trending down. We've got about 18% of uh, price target uh, upside downstream. When I'm looking at their business, they're 70% downstream, 25% upstream, and they've got about 4.2% sitting in cash. So when I am now looking over at their report, how are we faring 
Uh, currently, it is a strong hold, almost almost a buy from these uh, these different analysts here. But um, we still got about 24% of upside, according to Reuters, and that's through 27 different analysts. Slowing revenues for 23 and 24, 13% and 12%. Uh, so that's not uh, additive. That's uh, 13% this year and then kind of stabilizing for 2024. So we've got dividend growth about 7%, dividend payout of about 31%, and about 4.3 times dividend coverage, which means they should be able to pay this dividend, no problem. Uh, we've got uh, discounts across the board on the uh, all the, the key metrics here. Price to sales, 21% discount. Trailing PE, this is a big one, 68% discount on Chevron. That's That's massive. We're sitting at an 8.4, and the five-year average is a 26. And as I as I said, these uh these revenue numbers are coming down, so these are going to be skewed. I understand that. Forward PE is sitting at a 10.2, and their five-year average is a 20.3. So that is a 50% discount on forward. So it is definitely trading cheap. We're getting about that 4% yield. Uh, is it a absolute screaming buy? Um, maybe not. Maybe it's not. But uh, I it's from the standpoint that the revenues are slowing. The cycle has uh, seemed to peak, and I, I think that uh, you know we could buy this one for a little bit longer of a duration. I, I think that this will trade lower for a little while longer, but uh, I do think it is noteworthy to say that we could actually start buying some oil stocks now versus uh, you know maybe a few months back where I just still thought they were way too high. You know there was other energy names, utility names that made sense. But the, the the big oil players were were pretty tough for me to purchase. Uh, so uh, that is pretty much the long and short of Chevron, ticker CVX. That is number four for the week. And uh, number five, I kind of alluded to this one too. Maybe you can uh, take a guess. This one is going to be Apple, right? So number five, AAPL, that is going to be number five for week 13. And as I said, this is going to be a cash, you know, powerhouse in the industry. They have got uh, tons of cash ready to go. We've got uh, a huge market cap at $2.45 trillion. PE sitting at uh, 26, according to this. We've got, uh, well, on Trefis, it says 2.3% of uh, upside. Let's break down the, the business, though. We've got iPhone being 42%. We've got uh, services about 28.5%, Apple Watch TV accessories about 12.3%, the Mac line is about 7.9%, iPad about 67 and cash about 2.15% of the business. So when we are looking at uh, the, the different numbers here, what are we seeing? We've got uh, yeah, the trailing PE about 26.5%, forward PE about 25%, dividend yield only about 0.6%. It is a solid buy. We've got about 250% return over the past five years and uh, about sideways for the, the past year, though. We uh, are down 2.3% on that uh, that stock price over the, uh, the past year. And uh, where does that get us? We've got, uh, according to 38 analysts on uh, Reuters, we've got about 8% of upside. We've got uh, annual revenue down 1.3% for this year, and we've got uh, revenue growth of about 5.4% for 2024. 
Dividend growth, 5.2%. Dividend payout, very low on this one, 15.6%. We've got 8.1 times on the dividend coverage, so dividend should be safe on this one. It is trading at a premium, and that's probably because it has held up so well over the past uh, couple months here. And uh, we're trading at a 13% premium on price of sales, 8% premium on trailing PE, 11% premium on forward PE. But what does it have? It's uh, it's a powerhouse, right? Uh, people are looking for safety in the way of tech stocks right now. We're uh, not so much looking for your consumer staples. A lot of those have just been way priced over. And uh, I think a lot of people are really looking closer at uh, these tech stocks that have sold off in order to get uh, a little bit more safety in the names that have this uh, this cash hoard on hand. And they're, they're really looking for some uh, some value in some areas that uh, are have been getting looked over. So that's what I've got. Number one, Bank of America. Number two, Google or Alphabet. Number three, Home Depot HD. Number four, CVX Chevron. Number five, AAPL for Apple. So please get over to Let It Grow Investing on Facebook or drop a comment in the uh, the you know on Spotify or however you're listening to let me know which one you want to see voted for for this week. And uh, please don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. That definitely helps the podcast grow and uh, helps us be noticed in the algorithms out there in uh, in the internet land. So I uh, I definitely appreciate you guys stopping by. Thanks for uh, listening in. I really am curious as to what names you guys have got on your radar for this week. And uh, best of luck out there. And keep your keep your head up, and hopefully we can uh, navigate all these waters together. It's certainly been crazy. And uh, you got any questions, feel free to reach out to me or in the group, and we'll try to navigate this one together. So that's what I got. Thank you guys for stopping by, and I will catch you guys in the next one. Take care. As always, thanks for stopping by. Please make sure to like, subscribe by turning on the notification bell, and sharing this podcast to help our community grow. Check the links in the description for offers on E-Trade, Binance, and Crypto.com to get your investing journey started. You can also help support the podcast on our Anchor.fm webpage. Until next time, let's get invested and let it grow.